I want you to look at the people around you. Look at them, seriously. Just look at them. And I want you to think as you're looking around, are those people who are around me my brothers and my sisters? Now, you know that they are theologically your brothers and sisters, but do they feel like brothers and sisters? Do you know them to be brothers and sisters yet? Are we living in the reality yet of them as brothers and sisters? Uh, Today we've been talking about, you know, we started this Written on Our Hearts series, and we said that the whole point was we were leading to October 5th, which, yeah, it's today. My watch is wrong. It says it's the 4th, but I know better than that. It's October 5th today, and this is what we've been looking forward to. The Written on Our Hearts series, the whole point was kind of describing who we are as a community so that when we come together in sort of covenant ceremony that we already know what we're getting into. If someone goes into marriage, uh, it's always a helpful thing for them to go through premarital counseling. That's to filter all the uh, what we thought we were getting into and to help say this is what you're actually getting into, you know, and uh, that's what the Written on Our Heart series is, is, who are we? Why do we exist? Who is God and who are we inside of God? Why did he create us? Why do we exist? And what is it that he called us to do? And we wrote those things on our walls, but we're expecting that the reason we write them on our walls is because God's writing them on our hearts. And so when we covenant together, we say, do we agree about this together? And do we move forward in covenant? So today's kind of like a ceremony a little bit in that sense. And at the end of this message, what we'll have is a moment of, for those who are members and those who are newly becoming members, there'll be a moment where we see this covenant. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of question as to why in the world do you, isn't like church membership kind of like a uh, old school thing? You know, like, I mean, I mean, membership is, is interesting because if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you have a personal relationship with Jesus, you're a part of the church, right? Because you're one of those people who has had a relationship with Jesus. And if we are a people following Christ, the people who are following Christ who are individuals who have, you know, uh, come into that relationship are part of the church. But there's this whole other side of that thing that we need to look at and talk about today, which is like, we're not just individual people. There's this, see that on that sign over there? There's that one little word before people following Christ. What is it? A, man, it makes such a difference when you put that A. We're not just people following Christ. We're A people following Christ. And that's what church membership really still represents in a lot of ways, is that there's, there's something more than just individuals having relationship with God. There's also something still to the community and what that's about. And so today we're having a ceremony, you know, and this is always the way it's been. There was, um, the people of God have always been called to form covenant together with God probably the first big moment when there was a big covenant community with God together. Do you remember when this is in the scripture? It's in the Old Testament. And and there's a mountain and there's smoke and there's two tablets. What was that? Yeah, Ten Commandments, Mount Sinai, okay? Ten Commandments. And there's this big moment where God's inviting his people, Israel, to covenant with him and say, you will be my people and I will be your God. And here's kind of the boundaries of how that works. Here's the Ten Commandments. This is what we're agreeing around to be the form of our relationship. And later on, when they enter into the promised land, they renew that vow. They're they're standing on these different mountains and they're yelling across the valley to each other, the blessings and the curses of being the people of God. God, that we will honor God and they'll they'll yell out the blessing all the way across the valley and then they'll yell back the curse. And the point is, is that as we abide with God as a covenant people, we'll receive that blessing of the covenant. As we walk away from that covenant, things won't work well for us. One of my favorite examples of this in all scripture is this guy named King Asa. There was this huge renewal, revival that happened in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of Israel. And King Asa was... uh, he, the, the country was in really bad shape, but he turned to the Lord and he asked the entire nation to come with him. And so they had this big ceremony where he asked everyone to covenant before God to devote themselves to wholeheartedly serve God. Their covenant was fierce because apparently the way they did it then was they said, whoever will not wholeheartedly devote themselves to serve God will be put to death. So that's what we're doing today. <laughs> we're gonna have blood covenant and uh 
moving forward, you keep seeing covenant be a big deal and not just individual relational covenant with God, but corporate covenant. And you see it when in the New Testament, this is expressed when in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people came to Christ in one day. And what did they do after they came to Christ individually? They were baptized. And that baptism was a picture of we're entering the community and we're becoming a part of the community. And then it says, and then they met together in each other's homes every night. They held everything in common. They shared together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They gave themselves to the community. This wasn't just a personal connection to God. This was a dive into the community of God's people. And so one of the things that we've lost in America is we tend to think of relationship with God only individually. And there's good reason for that. We're kind of reacting to um, some really bad stains in church history. And we might not know that that's what we're reacting to, but we are. As a matter of fact, there was, uh, it used to be back in the olden days in the church, um, and, uh, you know, I, there's a few of you who might have been around back in the time of the Reformation. I don't know. Most of them are at first service. <laughs> what happened at the time of the Reformation was that people, the mentality for most people um, in, uh, in the church at that time was that if I was connected to the church, if I was a member, quote unquote, technically, if I was a member of the church, then that meant that I was in good standing with God because it's the church that's the bride of Christ and relates to God. My job is to submit to and be connected to the church. And so there was this real big deal about whether or not you were in fellowship or not with the church and everyone wanted to be a member of the church. But then it got so messed up. You had leaders who were real power hungry and thought they could do all sorts of weird things to the point where like, oh, you want indulgence for your sin. Well, slide me a little under the table and I'll give you indulgence, you know? And so you're paying off your sins and doing all sorts of, you know, there was a lot of corruption in the church, but it was all built in this mentality that the only way that you could come to Christ was through connecting to the institution of this church. What has happened post-Reformation is there's been renewal and awakening more and more in the mindset of Christians all across the world that Relationship with God is not just corporate. Relationship with God is personal. And people have said, oh, you know, like when you look at Jesus and the way he leads the church, it's not just about a program or an institution. It's not just a religion. This is a personal relationship with Jesus and that we're each called into that. Now, in the process of us awakening personally into a relationship with Christ, one of the things that it's very easy for us to lose sight of is the importance of of the connection of that corporate body and what that is when God calls out a people unto himself. What does it mean to be that people? It doesn't mean a bunch of individuals following God only. It means something more than that. And church membership, really, that's what it represents. And so if you're here today, you might not have heard that it's Member Sunday. If you're here today and you're not a member yet, what are you doing here? If you have been a part of Parker Ford Church, you know how funny that actually is because that's not how we roll. Um, And uh, all are welcome to the table and all are here. But the idea of covenant membership is something that we haven't emphasized a whole lot, but we believe is super important when it comes to understanding both the relationship with God and the community of God. And so I want to talk about why we go after that today. What's the point? What's the point of church membership? Um, And so that's what we're going to discuss. And we're going to look at a chapter uh, that might be an unlikely chapter to to look at the idea of church membership. And that's Matthew chapter 18 is where we're going to be. Now, these are not the words of Paul written to a church. These are actually the words of Jesus written to people in general about what it looks like to be in covenant relationship with others. And I heard, I was with a buddy praying. I was with a couple other buddies praying this week. And uh, one of the buddies had this prayer. It was an interesting prayer. He said, We're all in deep prayer. And he said, God, thank you that you're a dirty God. And we were all like, what? (laughs) And he said, seriously, God, I, uh, uh, you know, your hands had to get muddy and dirty in order to make us. You made us out of dirt. And you weren't afraid to get your hands dirty. He said, and then we messed up and we fell and we fell apart. And you weren't afraid to put on human flesh and get born in the way humans do. You know, there's kind of dirty or whatever. And then he's like, and more than that, you were able to become sin who knew no sin that we could become the righteousness of God. 
And for the sake of your children, you didn't just run away when we were in darkness, but you invaded and came down. You were not intimidated by our sin and by our dirt. You were able to dive into the middle of all of our mess and bring redemption out of it. So thank you that you're not afraid to get your hands dirty, God. And I was like, well, that's an interesting take on it. And the nice thing is, is in this picture of community, if one thing we know as, uh, as people at Parker Ford Church, when we look at who we are, our identity over here, the first sign, it says we are the wayward children of God. We're a mess, okay? <laughs> that's not who we were. It's also who we are. This is we are the wayward children of God who are forgiven, and who are redeemed by God and by God's grace are being transformed. That's present tense. We're being transformed into his power and into his, by his power into his character. But we are wayward. If there is a person in here who can stand up and say, I am not wayward and I do not struggle to be completely and totally submitted to God 100% of the time, I would love to talk to you after the service. Because I just want to know your secret and I want to expose the lies that the enemy has put in you. Uh, we are all messed up, you know, and um, sometimes the picture of church membership or church community can be like, is this like the ex- like when you get to this level, you become a member or like yeah, something like- and and all of that we need to put on the table and say, this is what it means, you know, to be a member is we're a bunch of people who are a mess and who are looking to follow God. And we actually need one another and are called to journey this thing together. And this is our, us in covenant together saying, I am with you in this thing and you are with me in this thing. And much the way you would have a marriage, a marriage ceremony where a bride and a groom would stand here and face each other and there'd be music and there'd be strings and there'd be, uh, you know, the, the, all the pomp and the words and all the stuff and the flowers. But it all revolves around one moment. And it's when they're standing there holding hands, looking at each other and they exchange their what? Vows. And that's a covenant. That's a covenant. Why the covenant? Because there's days where it's not going to be easy. And in those days, we have to remember that we promise to stick together. And when we can't lean on the passion that brought us together, we got to lean on the promise that keeps us together. And in a church community, in a world where everyone is kind of trying to find their own path, we miss something huge when we do not see ourselves in a covenant community where we say, if things get tough here, I'm going to bounce and go to another church because I don't like the way it's working out. Well, what we lose in that moment is we lose the need to dig deep to figure out how to become one in the body of Christ. And that's what we're called to. And so Jesus' words here in Matthew 18 speak about the community of the body of Christ and how it works out, not in an ideal world where everyone's got it and everyone's got their stuff together, but in a broken world where we're a mess How does the community work itself out? And so we turn to Matthew chapter 18 and we look at Jesus' words uh, speaking uh, to what would be his church. All right, I want you to look at verse 12. And we're going to stand together in honor of the word. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, Does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Who are the sheep? We are. We are all the sheep. We're in his fold. This is his body. This is his family. This isn't just anyone. This is his sheep, okay? So the lost sheep is someone who's a part of here, a part of us, but then is kind of getting lost and disconnected, okay? Which is all of us at moments. And then Jesus shows us, starting in verse 15, how we are a part of the rescue mission for each other who are wayward sheep all the time, okay? Verse 15, so here it is. If your brother, i.e. read lost sheep, sins against you, 
Okay, notice this isn't just a sin against God. This isn't just if someone's done something bad. What it's saying is if you've been hurt, if there is division between you and your brother and sister, if there is separation between you, then there's something that you need to do. You have responsibility. This is important because God, what he says is we can't connect well with him if we're not connecting well with each other. And so if there's separation, they're outside of the fold and they need to be restored. Okay, so here it says, if your brother has sinned against you, if there's fracture between you, then go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. How awesome would it be if every time we had an issue with someone, we had the courage to go and speak about that and the humility to go and speak about that with them without talking to anyone else about it? Wouldn't that solve so many problems if we could do that? We're a mess. We don't always do that. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. The lost sheep has come back. If he does not listen... Take one or two others along with you. That's your brothers and sisters or whatever. Bring other siblings with you. That every charge may be established in the evidence of two or three witnesses. So this is, all right, you weren't listening to me, but now there's a bunch of us who all see it the same way, and we all love you. Listen to us. We want you back in the flock. Okay? Uh Verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, then tell it to the church. Uh Uh-oh, now all of a sudden there's elders and pastors getting involved in all this stuff. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. What does that mean? It means that they're outside. They're not family members. It doesn't mean that we hate them. We're not called to hate those people or to, or to treat them bad. It just means that they've elected out to be outside of the family right now, and you're working to bring them in, but they're not trying to be in. So then treat them as a guest. Don't treat them as they don't want to be a family member. They don't want to be held to that, so treat them as a guest, okay? Verse 18, truly, uh, well, no, we're just going to stop there. Um, and we'll get to 18 and 19 at the end of the, uh, at the end of the talk. Okay. You can have a seat and, um, if you are here today and you are a guest, you need to know this is member Sunday, which means that we're having a family meal together. And this is, but if you are a guest, you are welcome to the table. Every day, any day, we love having guests a part of the table. It makes everything a lot more fun. Uh, when it comes to you know, the family, we get to experience other things. So guests are always welcome to the table. Where, you know, the church has responsibility to care for, provide, to develop members of the family, those who are the siblings and the, the members of the family. But we're always open to having guests come and, and enjoy and be a part of that, okay? Join me in prayer right now. God, we just ask for um, the remainder of our time right here um, for you to take this text and to take the idea of what this is about that we're about to experience in these uh, uh, kind of vows, these covenantal vows that are about to happen and explain to us your heart and your perspective on what that's all about and why we do it. Um, and, and, and God, I ask that you would invite us into a place as a church family, for those of us who are really at a place where we were able to covenant and say, we're in this together, that you would help us to be able to walk that out. We need your spirit in it. And for those of us, God, who are here observing or here uh, enjoying uh, some of the food from the table but are not there, that this, this would also be a welcoming environment for, for guests as well. Um, we thank you, Jesus, for the fact that you have given yourself entirely covenantal to your people. And, oh, man, you have paid the ultimate price for it, and you've brought the ultimate redemption. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. What do you call a bunch of bones that don't have flesh and blood wrapped around them. A skeleton. Yeah, in uh, a few weeks, you'll start seeing lots of fake skeletons hanging from people's houses and stuff because of Halloween decorations. Are skeletons good things? Uh, yeah, weird question. Um, if the skeleton is the thing just without the flesh and blood, then not really. You know, but if the skeleton is also the thing that's underneath the flesh and blood, then yeah, it's really good. Skeletons are only good when you don't see them. You know, that's when skeletons are most helpful is when you don't see them, when there's heart inside of it and there's flesh around it. That's when skeletons are the best. Once you start to see them and they become the big deal, then they're weird. Covenants are what defines relationships. When all we ever talk about is the rules of the covenant, it's not a good thing. That means we're trying to nail each other to the wall with the covenants, you know? On the other hand, trying to have life without having the covenant is a really bad thing. Can you imagine having a body without any bones and without a skeleton? Gross. That's a puddle of whateverness. 
down there. You know, some churches have lost life in them and they've lost vitality in them. And all that's left is the structure. And this is what you have to do. And this is, and membership in that kind of situation is like, what am I becoming a member to? What am I chaining myself to? It's just the structure without life around it. And it seems hard. There's other churches and other times and movements where there's life and there's vitality, but there doesn't seem to be any shape or structure. And it needs to have a place to like, how do we relate to one another? And how do we move and do anything? Without that, it's just kind of like, there's a lot of life and blood, but it's just kind of like, blah, you know? And uh, what when God paints a picture in the scriptures of his body, it has both bones and structure to it. And it also has life and vitality to it. it, it Jesus talks about it as far as wine and wineskins. He says, you know, there's the, there's the wine that's flowing, but then there's the wineskin that contains it. There's structure that holds the, this goodness, you know, and that's the way it is in the life that there's a frame, there's a covenant in the relationship. That's the promise. That's the covenant. But then there's also the walk in that out, you know? And so one of the things that can happen is that there can be, uh, we experience the life and the beauty of relationship with God. And then we can start to ask the question of why do we need the whole structure thing? And particularly if people have had a bad experience of being attached to structures that don't seem to have much life to them, then they want freedom away from the structures. You know, I've heard people who have had really bad experiences in the family say, I don't believe in marriage because I think that marriage just suppresses the spirit of love because you're like locked in and you have to do this stuff and you stop wanting to do things. And I understand the mentality of what people think when they, when they think that. But most of that has been because they've had an experience where there's been the structure of marriage, but there hasn't been the life and vitality of marriage. The problem is not to get rid of the structure of the institution of marriage. The problem is you have to work at actually bringing vitality to it. And oftentimes when it comes to church membership, people have thought the same thing that, man, I feel stuck in this place. And like, I don't know, I got to get out and say, well, if there's not vitality, we have to work at vitality, but that's not a problem with the covenant of people of God. We still need covenant. And if we don't have the structure and don't have the framework, then we can't figure out how to relate to one another. And we can't move the way a body of Christ is called to move. Okay, and so that's that's what uh, the body of Christ really is about, is it has this frame, this structure that's called covenantal community that assumes that we have uh, a connection with each other and a community with each other. And we need that. But then we find life within it. Now, um, Jesus, Jesus desire for us is that we become one. You know, in John 17, there's this awesome moment where Jesus is praying, pouring out his heart to God before he goes to the cross. And he wants to cleanse us and he wants to wash us. And he tells us what his big intention is for his church, for his people. So if you turn um, to John chapter 17, I want you to see just these couple verses of what it is that Jesus actually wants from us. Verse 20 of John chapter 17, as he's about to go to the cross, he says, I do not ask for these only. That means the disciples. He already prayed for them. But I also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who believes in God through the words that were written by the apostles? We do. Yes. So this is Jesus praying for you, me, us, right? This is his prayer for us right here at Parker Ford Church. Jesus, when Jesus prayed this, he literally was praying for Parker Ford Church, not only Parker Ford Church, but he was literally praying for his followers here. That was part of who he was praying for. And it says, this is his prayer, that they may all be one. That's the prayer. Jesus' big prayer to his father is that we would be one. Think about that for a second. Jesus asked his dad one thing for us, that we would be one. And then he dies on the cross to make it possible. He goes on and says, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that's that picture of the Trinity, two parts of it right there, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now listen, this is supposed to happen in a way that the world can see it. This isn't just spiritual and ethereal and out there. It's that we're one so much that the world who's looking can be like, wow, what's that, right? And so he keeps going. He says, the glory that is that you have given to me, I have given to them that they may be one. Our purpose is to glorify God, to reveal his nature. And he's saying, I'm putting this on them, the ability to reveal our nature, God. I'm giving to them, even as we are one, verse 23, 
And listen to this. I and them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one. Perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Here's the deal. God's design for us is that we together as a people of God begin to look less and less like just individuals and we begin to look more and more like one covenant body and that we flow. Are we individuals? Yes, we're individual members of the body of Christ, but there is only one body and there is only one bride of Christ and there is only one family of God and there is only one spiritual temple made of living stones. We each are living stones. We each are parts of the body. We each have our role to play, but there's only one identity and that identity is the identity of Jesus and all of us belong inside that body. Now here's the thing. We, we, we become a part of that by praying and giving our lives over to God and surrendering ourselves to him. But if if that's going to work itself out in such a way that the world watching can see that we are becoming one, that actually has to happen in real relationships. Not just out there, like, I think of myself not as my own, but connected to the rest of the body of Christ out there somewhere. No, it, I mean, it means like, Barb and I have to like, we actually have to be brother and sister. And the world has to see us as brother and sister. You know, that Boyd and Cindy aren't on an island on their own, that they're connected with a whole bunch of other people who see that their journey is not their own and that our journey has to overlap and interwork. And the way the beauty of God is revealed is when those parts of the body begin to integrate, which takes real relationship, real connection, real covenant. And so church membership is not the idea of saying, Am I, did, did I legitimately accept Jesus as my savior? And this is what makes it legit. So when I get to heaven, I'm going to take out my card and be like, here it is, God. I am a card carrying member of the body of Parker Ford Church. You can let me into heaven. You know, it doesn't work that way. You know, the card doesn't, the card doesn't help me. What it does is it says to my brother or sister, it says, you're not alone. And I'm not alone, and my journey is not my own, and your journey is not your own. And he called us out to be one. And we are covenanting, almost like bride and groom hanging out here in the, at the altar and saying, I am no longer my own. I belong to you. And that we are saying as the body of Christ, we are no longer our own, but we belong to each other. And that covenant, of course, is a little bit scary because that requires investment and it requires sacrifice. But that is the venue in which God disciples us and works out the fact that we profess these things and we say these things. But right here is where we find out if we believe these things. Is in covenant, in community. We cannot say that we love God and yet have something against our brother. When we come to the altar to offer a sacrifice to God, if we have something against our brother, he says, leave the sacrifice there at the altar. Go and make things right with your brother. Then come back and sacrifice. The whole idea of worship with God is deeply integrated with the idea of covenant community. And if we don't have that covenant community, then we're living as guests in the house of God rather than as residents and as members of the family. We need brothers and sisters. And brothers and sister relationships, you know how they work, right? They can be tough. But the reason they're tough is because we're in covenant and we can't break out of it. They're our brother and sister whether we like it or not. If it's a guest, then it's just like, we'll just put up with this for the night and then they'll go home and we'll be good. So we won't have confrontation or any of that stuff. The reason why we pick Matthew chapter 18 is because it's saying, we're all a mess and we're all wayward sheep. And the beauty of the body of Christ is that our responsibility in covenant community is if one of my brothers or sisters has offended me and is getting wayward, I'm not allowed to just let them slip. I got to go and get a hold of them and say, look, I'm pretty frustrated with you right now. And uh, here's the struggle, but I don't want you out wandering on your own. We got to reconcile and get this figured out. And this isn't just some random sin that's out there. It's like, this is, you've actually, this puts a, a wedge between you and the community. And we can't really be together unless that thing gets worked out. And so it's an invitation in the vow to say, 
you have the right to speak into my life and I have the right to speak into your life. And what we understand is when you mess up, I'm not going to just bounce and move on to the next relationship until I find one that works for me, that we're in this together and God put us together and we're going to walk this out together. And that's not easy, but that's where things get real and it's where things get better. If you've ever had, maybe you've had the moment where the, the lights went off in the house because the electric went, there's an ice storm or something, electric went out, and you have to get out the lantern or something. You ever done that or the flashlights? And you were watching TV and now you can't, you know, unless you're cheating and have a generator. And now you're sitting here with your family and, you know, there's candles or there's a lantern or something. And all of a sudden you have to figure out what's life like without all of that stuff, you know, and you discover new things. When there's endless possibilities outside of covenant, every time things aren't going the way I want, I can skip to the next thing. But when I am bound by covenant, I have to learn to dig deep when things aren't going well and find more. And this is the idea of the body of Christ, is we are discipled by Jesus as we engage in relationships that are not always easy and not always ideal, because we have to learn how to work out the gospel of Jesus, him dying on the cross. How does that affect this tension between you and me? How does the forgiveness of the cross speak to the forgiveness between you and I? You know, and that's what the covenant community is about, which is why anyone's welcome to come to the table and be a guest. But if you are going to be a a part of a people following Christ, it takes covenant membership. And that, that's because you can't, we don't actually believe here at Parker Ford Church that you have the ability to fully become a disciple of Jesus, walking that out in all that it means without also being covenantally connected to other people. The scriptures don't reveal that kind of Christianity. The scriptures don't show us that kind of faith. It has always worked out in community. And if you don't have the community, I don't know what kind of Christianity that is, but it's one that only exists in recent history in America, not one that reflects what the breadth of church has always said it is. It's walking it out in community. And since we're such an individualized world right now, it's easy to kind of think of things in that way. But we are being called to be a place where there's covenant and where there's community. Um, Nobody can have a relationship with God for another person. You know, nobody can do it. That's it. I mean, Lynn, you have to figure out your own relationship with God in many ways, right? I mean, you have to come on your knees before Jesus and give your heart to him, just like any of us do. And yet equally true is that I can't become God's nature, reveal God's nature and God's character on my own. I cannot reflect the Trinity on my own. I can't see the whole perspective on my own. And it's within the bounds of covenant that I need to do that. So there's both the need for the individual connection with God, which is part of what we expect of those who are journeying with Christ, but then there's also the need for that corporate connection together. All right? And this, you can see this when in Hebrews it says that you got to honor those who lead you and teach you and that those who are leading and teaching have, a, have we have responsibility um, and we are held accountable for those who we have responsibility for. But, you know, sometimes in the church right now, it's kind of tricky to figure out who we're actually responsible for as leaders or who we're trying to honor uh, as leaders. You know, like I listen to podcasts throughout the week um, of great teaching, but uh, like I listen to John Orberg out in California, a great preacher I love to listen to, but he doesn't have any responsibility over my life. He's not a shepherd who God put in my life. He's just some guy teaching. He has a responsibility to to be faithful in the way he's teaching the word of God and to honor that right. But he doesn't have relational, covenantal responsibility over my life. But who does is the question. And all of those questions about who I'm supposed to honor and who I'm supposed to, you know, respect and who I'm supposed to feel responsible for are all defined by this thing, covenant membership. That's what defines it. I'm a member of this community and therefore there are people who have responsibility over me and who I have responsibility to and who we're supposed to be connected to. And just like marriage, man honors wife and and wife honors husband and that's defined by the covenant. And so that's what what we look at in this, uh, again, in this picture of Christ's church being in covenant community with each other. Now, I want you to look with me at the last two verses of Matthew 18, uh, that passage in Matthew 18 that we looked at, and we'll end here. So 
So it was Matthew 18, and now we're down in verse 18. And Jesus, after talking about how to like kind of rescue each other and, and hold each other accountable and walk, walk all this stuff out, then verse 18, he says, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's kind of like, why did he just add that at the end of like, if your brother has a problem, go and confront him and restore him. By the way, if you agree about anything, I'll give you anything you ask for which is what he says. And then he says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. In verse 20, he says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. This is the deal. We're the wayward children. We all go our own way. If we were outside of covenant, we would be on an endless journey trying to self-satisfy. And every relationship that I would encounter, I'd be thinking, What does this person have to offer me? And as soon as I don't see them having anything to offer me anymore, I just bounce and I move on to the next relationship. And there's nothing that's giving. Here's what the community does. Is when we are pursuing the good of one another and when we are pursuing Christ together, what he says is, when this selfish person and this selfish person figure out that they can actually agree about something, in that moment, it's probably about love. And in that moment, I will give you anything you ask. Anything you ask, the power of God will unleash for his church when two or three come together asking for the same thing for the kingdom of God. Because inside of that agreement, what we're finding is, is we are finding the church looking, not just as individuals looking for their own stuff, but a church coming together to look for God's stuff. And in that moment, he will unleash his power for his church. And then he says this, he says, where two or three are gathered in, in, in my name, there I am among them. You remember what our purpose is? We exist to reveal God's nature. The power of God will allow us to do that as we agree. We also exist to delight in his presence. And if we want to delight in his presence, he says, you'll find my presence where two or three are gathered together in my name. If you've ever been a part of a powerful worship service or a powerful prayer meeting or a powerful teaching with other people, you realize that I can study the word of God and it's really, really important. But man, when I get together with others who are studying the word of God, I understand it more. And I can have a great worship experience on my own. But if you've ever been in a room full of people who are worshiping God with all out abandon, it does something to your spirit and it changes you. And prayer, you can have so much more faith if you're praying with other people who also have faith. That's because where two or three are gathered, there he is in their midst. God designs it so that he's not fully and entirely present just in one individual, but he spreads himself out. And he says, as you gather and come together, you'll see my power and you'll feel my presence. You want to delight in my presence? You want to experience my power? Then get together and work out the bugs and then you'll experience it. So feel free to be a guest and hang out and enjoy food at the table. Feel free also to be adopted in the family and become a part, a member, and join in and become a part of that. And that journey will be a a, a rich one, a rich one. This is something we have to learn and have to figure out together as a church. We've gone through a lot of changes in the last six years at Parker Ford Church. And most of you, if I were to ask for a raise of hands, I I will. How many were here six years ago? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay, so then everyone else has come since the replant. Okay, and so when you look around the room, most of the people who you see are people who um, have been new in the last, uh, since we replanted this church in the last six years. All of us are kind of like, okay, how do we figure out now how to be covenant community? Not just attending a worship service, but being a family. And so every year we're going to do this thing where we walk through uh, covenant membership and say, this is what we think that is. And right here, we have expectations. These are the expectations, biblical expectations, not something we came up with, that anyone who is a member, you've received Christ as your own personal Savior. You adhere to the basic theological beliefs, and you're growing in your own life, in your own relationship with God, in your own spiritual practices, that you weekly are a part of this service here because we're commanded in Hebrews to be a part, to not neglect that. Basic participation in in the way we do discipleship here, that somehow you're joining in with either a prayer group or journey group or Sunday school or some sort, some sort of a developmental part of that, that we're intentionally connecting with other people in the church family. You can't be in covenantal relationship without being in relationship. And so we actually have to pursue the relationships. Big deal um, when it comes to to um, being in a church family. That we regularly 
and intentionally have service where we exercise our gifts. Part of being a part of the body is that we exercise our gifts. And we give a percentage of our income. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. You have to be vested into the community. That's biblical principle. And also that we're God-honoring in our communication. The scriptures tell us about how we communicate with our brothers and sisters. Matthew 18 just told us that. And so that's the basic picture of what individuals bring to the table in the, in the community, all forming together what we call a body or a bride or a building um, that, uh, that is the church of God. So with that said, um, we have we closed the service here today with an actual membership moment. And so we have some new members who are joining today. And those who have been members for a while can will have the opportunity to speak along and renew your membership vows along with those new members. Those of you who are not, please don't feel awkward. This is a fun moment for you to kind of peek in and watch what's happening in this covenantal community. Maybe for you that will warm the desire for you to be a part of that covenantal community. Maybe it'll just be a delight to see that there are still families families that exist and not just random people out there, but there are actually covenant communities because we believe that God designs it. All right, Josh is going to lead us through that. Go ahead. Just to get started, um, what I'd like to do is have just a little brief time of prayer. And so I'm going to ask Michael to kind of play at the at the keys. And then are we passing those out? Yeah, uh, Mel has them. Yeah, we're going to pass those sheets out to you so you can kind of look over them. But I'm just going to ask that you pray. And again, if you're not a member of Parker Ford Church and you're not becoming a member, that's okay. This isn't like a big in and out thing. Um, But we would like to just have a little bit of a time of reflection and go, okay, what's God doing in our community? What's God doing in us personally? And how does that affect everything else? So take a little, a few minutes and then we'll move on in our service. So this, uh, I guess eight years ago, I was sitting in this hotel room in East Lansing, Michigan, and this guy, he told me that um, his marriage wasn't working for him. This whole thing called covenant, you know, it meant something to him that wasn't working. He, He just confessed, he said, it's not working. And we talked about getting honest. And he and his spouse kind of walking through some things. And that honesty didn't happen. And then five years ago, he came to me again. Doesn't go to this church. Doesn't even live in this state. Doesn't even live in Michigan, as it turns out. He, uh, he came to me and he said, you know, it's working less. It's, this covenant thing isn't going well at all. And a counselor once told me, um, no marriage is uh, going to be better than its lies. And then she went on and said, no organization is better than its lies. And that means that we as a family, we're no better than our lies. And what I've watched in the last few years is that this relationship that I had, these friends that I had, they they were growing apart and it was because of lies in their relationship and nobody was getting honest about that. And no matter how many times as a friend, I tried to step in and be helpful in that, you know, it was kind of like, it didn't work out. And uh, all, all deception, all sin is deceptive a little bit, right? 
every little bit of sin, it's deceptive a little bit. Last night, the last thing I did before I went to bed was I called that woman in that relationship and I said, I want you to know your husband's not coming back. It's time to give up. It was the last thing in my last evening. And I just, I could hear her in a hotel room in a very different city south of here. Uh, Her heart just broke as she realized that the covenant truly was over. It was done. And her husband had given up on her. And that brokenness, that hurt, you know. So for us as a family, um, we're not a marriage, right? There's only, that's, that's you know, one man, one woman. But what we are here is, is a family. And what we're called to is family. And that means if there's anything that's broken about us, it's a little bit deceptive. And if that stuff doesn't come out, it's not a, it can eat us. It can hurt us. And this past week, I had these couple moments when people got at me. And they actually said some things that were pretty tough. One, one thing I heard is, Josh, you're a little bit arrogant. True story. And then one of our deaconesses, she actually asked me to think about whether I was arrogant or controlling. And I just immediately, you know, when somebody says, are you a sinner? You immediately say, no, what's wrong with you? Why would you think that? And then the person went on a little bit further and said, maybe you should check with your wife. And if I want to know how I'm really doing, I check with my wife. And I did. And it didn't go well. Honestly, Shelby just got really honest and said, well, here's how I see this in our life. And she kind of took me apart. And I found some strands in my soul, soul, you know, start to unravel a little bit. And I was like, you know, I I still kind of thought maybe I was the right one and all three of those people were wrong. (laughs) Voting is not part of my, I'm not a democratic process in here. And so I I did my my Bible reading and I was reading this book, the book that we're actually going to do our journey group on this coming Tuesday. And it came down and it said, you know, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, this is what you need to be a part of. And it said, you need to be like a little child that just opens up your soul and walks towards God. And I thought, oh, that's not me. And I realized like when I was looking at this whole membership thing for me, I needed to say something as a leader in our church. And that's that I struggle sometimes with this control, this, I want to see us all get where we're going. And when we don't get there, I want to, I don't always just lead like a shepherd. I actually push from the backside, you know, kind of kick a little, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing. And that is prideful. And I realized that's not like a little child. That's not actually following Jesus. That's actually kicking Jesus' children. And it doesn't actually work. So I'm just going to confess that I want you to hear me say, Honestly, that's true because I don't want what our family's a part uh, a part of and about to be kind of tainted by that stuff that I am. And I always struggle with this stuff. It's true. And there's always this little piece of me that's broken. And I told Tim I actually wanted to say that as a part of this service. I just thought I felt led, felt called of God to actually reveal that. I won't reveal every little bit of sin in my life. Okay, you're just you don't get there. That's that's reserved for other space. But that part I needed to share with us as a family. We're going to walk into this um, kind of service where if you're a member, I'm going to invite you to stand. And then I'm going to invite a couple families who are becoming members. We've had a really great PFC 101 class where people are checking this church out. Many of those people are saying it's going to take us a few months to process this stuff. So we have a whole bunch of people who are kind of going, yes, we'll be members someday, but we're not there yet. And I'm really excited about that. We never pressure people to become members or to get baptized. That's really what's going on in our church. And we have several people who are going, I just want to think about it. Some of those people I was talking to last night, you know, going, are we there yet? So I'm going to invite the Morbys, Mike and Carrie, and I'm going to invite Boyd and Cindy uh, Curry up to the front. And they're becoming members today. And the rest of you who are members who have gone through that class, I want to ask that you'd stand up. And we're going to walk through this together. You can come right up. And if the kids come too, that's all right, Boyd. It's it's totally fine to have Peyton with you. Um, But if you're a member of this church and you want to commit to being somebody who's committed all in throughout this year, I want to ask you to stand as well. If you're not, no shame in that, right? No shame whatsoever. And in this service, I think we probably have more people who are not members than are. Now, let me tell you about some things up here that you need to know. Boyd is from Texas. We're still going to love him, okay? I just want you to know that we're going to, Grace is a part of Parker Ford Church. I know all sorts of things about Mike Morby too, but I can't even share them. So we're going to love him as well. Yeah, yeah. No, these guys are great and we're really excited and uh, we're really excited about them joining our church and we're really excited about being a family here. So um, you're just invited to participate. Elijah's going to put this kind of uh, whole reading up there and I'm going to read the blue and at the end when we get to the part where you get to respond if you're a member here you get to say the part at the end and you guys get to see that part and if you want to turn around and look it's fine or if you want to just hear me say it it begins with these words it says knowing that Christians never fully arrive we should say amen to that right amen we're not there yet not even me 
as it turns out, knowing that Christians never fully arrive in this world, but are always in the process of becoming, do you now reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? If so, say, we do. do. Believing that Christianity is experienced in a faith community that supports and strengthens us in time of weakness and doubt, and that learns from us as we learn from it, do you promise to live and share together in the bonds of Christian fellowship? If so, say, we do. Recognizing that the church is organized to fulfill its mission, will you worship, serve, and share in the community and ministries of Parker Ford Church by your prayers, regular attendance, loyal service and outreach, and faithful stewardship? If so, say, we will. And lastly, as... Members of Parker Ford Church, will you make every effort to witness to the gospel and keep alive the concerns of the church where you live and work? If so, say we will. All right, what I want to do now is I'm going to pray, and then the praise team is going to be invited to come and lead us in our final song, and we're going to be dismissed after that. And again, some of you, we need help taking this place down to get ready for tonight. So if you can stay behind, that'd be very, I'd be very grateful. But I'm going to pray a prayer of kind of, you know that... Tim talked about Matthew uh, 18, and there's that verse that says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, this is, we're, we're binding ourselves together. That's a good thing. It's not, it's not too tight, Mike, but it's, you know, that's what we're doing here today, and we need to pray into that. We need to bless and say, you know, we're a tapestry of people that are woven together. We're a body, we're a relationship, we're a family. So that's really great, and I want you to just join me in prayer, and then we'll go into our final worship song. God, I thank you for the people in this room who are members of this church who have been part of this family for a long time. I thank you for those who have been part for a short time, and then I thank you for the Morbys and for the Currys and what huge blessings they are to me personally. These people are my friends and we just love them God thank you thank you for Peyton and Alex with the Currys and thank you for Abigail and little Oliver with the with the Morbys and the blessing it is to have these children among us and that are just growing up and becoming children of you God what a gift that is and we ask that you would bless us as a church family that you would help us to support the Morbys and the Currys and their walk with you we pray that you would help us to pray through every different moment that comes along the difficulties that we pray that you just bless us with a transparency in our community that you would help us to be a family of people who walks together in holiness and in rightness and that really helps each other. And when we fall, Lord, help us to forgive and move graciously as we, as we walk forward together. God, thank you for your gifts and thank you for the fact that you are so good. As we, as we kind of end this whole message time, Lord, we just thank you for the fact that you have put us together. We pray these things in Jesus' name.